We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Irish Breakdown Nation, how's it going, everybody? Just wanted to say hey, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. This is Brian Driscoll, that's Ryan Roberts, and we've got a little bit of a special edition podcast today, Ryan. We are going to be covering the upcoming decision of Leonard Moore, a cornerback from Texas, who's going to be making his decision here in a few minutes. Um, Ryan Round Rock. Mount Rock High School in Texas, 6'2", 175. Rankings aren't going to blow you away, but as you and I have talked about, this kid has very, very impressive film and a lot of talent. So uh, definitely a guy that I think Notre Dame covets and a guy that would be a needle mover for, for, the, for, for the fighting Irish, in my opinion. I mean, he absolutely would. I, I think that when you look at him, he is exactly the prototype that Mike Mickens has been – targeting over the last couple cycles. You know, you think about Benjamin Morrison, you think about Carson Hobbs in 2024. First thing that pops up with Leonard is incredible length, a good combination of athleticism all the way around. He would be a tremendous asset, right? And if we if he ends up with Notre Dame and he opts for the hey, Irish year. Um, yeah. Let's bring this up here real quick. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You know, it's right. good to get Can everybody hear it? Yep. Yeah. Good, I know, you know the, uh, the, the process, I'm sure, has been long and, and tough for you, but I also know that this is also a really cool process for guys to go through. So for you, what was the recruiting process like, and what did it teach you about what you were looking for in a college football program? Yeah, it was it was fun. It's been a long time. You know, I started this like sophomore year. So I've been I've been I visited a lot of schools. I actually had Penn State and Ohio State scheduled for March. But, you know, I once I got to Notre Dame, I realized that it had everything that I needed. I was looking for a school that had good academics and good football at the same time. And I also wanted to get out the state. So tell me a little bit about the journey even before. What was it like getting to this point, all the work that you've put in? Tell us what Leonard Moore's journey was like over the course of the, the last several years. Um, I feel like to get to this point, you know, it took a lot of work and it took a lot of, uh, like, persevering. You know, you go through some adversity sometimes. And I feel like i just grown every year. Like, every year I've gotten better, like, from technique to everything. So how have your family and friends helped you along the way? And what did they teach you as you tried to navigate this? Uh, they definitely helped me through some times where I guess the recruiting felt like overwhelming. It told me that like once I find what I want, I can like commit then and like get the process done with. So I don't have to, um, so I don't have to keep stressing myself out pretty much. And they, and I also, they, I'll, sorry. No, you're good, man. I, obviously, we're almost about that time, right? The, the moment yeah, right. is building up. But I want you to do one more thing for me. Reflect on your high school career and how did your coaching staff and your trainers down there help you build your game to where you could field offers like the offers you currently have today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, all the coaches, Coach Moore, Coach Carr, they all helped me out in tremendous ways, whether it's like on the field and off the field. And definitely my trainer, Coach Bam, has helped me a lot, too. But um, they definitely helped me grow throughout the years. As I just said, i gotten better every year. And they've, like, from the, from the moment they put me in as a sophomore, they had to trust me. And it's good having that trust from your coaches. All right, man. The floor is yours. The time is now. Go ahead and tell us where you're going to be playing your college football. Yeah, first of all, I, I want to thank God. I want to thank my parents, and I want to thank my family, my sisters. I want to thank I want to thank everybody, all the coaches, Coach Bam, everybody who's helped me along through this process. Now I'll be committing to the University of Notre Dame. All right, it's Notre Dame for Leonard Moore. Major decision, and you're making a lot of Fighting Irish fans very happy on this beautiful Saturday. So go ahead and tell me, what was it about Notre Dame that made it the choice for you? Notre Dame. I, obviously, I wanted to get an out-of-state out of experience, a different experience, and it has elite academics and elite football. I want to be challenged on the classroom and on the field as, yeah, like as you know. But um, what's it called? They, 
they play good teams every year and they're getting the good best coaching in the uh sorry in the country. So when you now go and play for the Fighting Irish one day, what should fans expect from you? What type of player are they getting in Leonard Moore? In the long athletic corner who's gonna lock his side of the field down, honestly. <laughs> Again, the I like player, to hear not, it, Yeah, he's not gonna get faded up. He's not gonna get beat over the top. And I got the ball skills. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get some interceptions too. You mentioned your play style, and you mentioned the type of player that you are, but also how Notre Dame can develop you. What was it about that coaching staff that told you these are the guys I want to develop me as a college football player, looking to one day get to the end? Yeah, they're they're all young coaches, which helps, honestly. And um, Coach Mickens, the corners coach, Coach Freeman, all the coaches out there, Coach Golden, they definitely have a lot of knowledge in this football thing. And what's it called? They can definitely help help me elevate my game and take my game to the next level. What I saw with the coaches and how they interacted with their players, that, that was really good to me too. That's going to do it for that part of it, Ryan. Obviously, big pickup. Notre Dame picks up Leonard Moore, a 2024 cornerback from Texas who kind of committed before he committed <laughs> a little yes. bit. Uh, expected news. I mean, I don't, I don't think anybody's caught off guard by this, Ryan. This is something that we kind of expected because he didn't really announce any other schools. Uh, and he, <laughs> and he didn't visit anywhere else, you know, like we visited Notre Dame and then it was kind of like, okay, I'm going to make a decision, but a, a big pickup nonetheless for Notre Dame. So uh, it just continues the, the, the ball rolling in my opinion of, of Mar- of Mike Mickens just really, really doing a great job the thing I liked about it Ryan is you know you see a kid at the very beginning was very humble and you know very mild-mannered and even at the end when he's asking about his game he's speaking very confidently but in a very mild-mannered polite way like I'm just gonna lock down my side of the field you're not gonna beat me over the top you know you're not gonna do this you're not gonna do that and you're just not gonna catch any passes on me like really nonchalantly I absolutely love I absolutely love that and a big thing, Ryan, is obviously keeping that Texas pipeline going. So let's dive into a little bit of the backstory here, Ryan, with Leonard yep. Moore. Obviously, this is a kid that Notre Dame's corner recruiting in this class was very interesting because one thing we said very early on is they can be patient if they if they want to be, and they can really focus on guys that they view have a high ceiling because you signed three corners in the 2020 one class that are all currently still on the roster, that definitely two of them I expect to be on the roster in the fall. You signed two outstanding corners in the 2020, uh, the 2022 class and Benjamin Morrison, Jaden Mickey. You signed two more corners in the 2023 class and Christian Gray and Micah Bell. So you've now restored your depth chart from a number standpoint and you've restored your depth chart from a talent standpoint, which right. means now your goal every year under Mike Mickens is go find the best players that you can find that you think are there. They they landed Carson Hobbs early, and I'll be honest, I don't love that one. I think Carson Hobbs is a good player. I just don't view him as high as maybe some of the other guys they've landed in recent years. Love the size, love the confidence, love where he's from. Film just didn't blow me away. So I'm like, well, with this next pickup, they better find someone that's really high upside. Yep. And when we first heard about them kind of pushing for Lennon Moore, we got a heads up on Lennon Moore being a guy that they were going to make a run at before they even offered 
it's like the week before when they were going out on the road to go see his high school. And so I said, okay, you, know, you what do we always do? Look at the offer list, look at the rankings. Neither necessarily blew me away, although the offer list is much better than the rankings, in my opinion. You know, but he's a kid that that you look at and say, okay, well, l- let's take a look, right? He's got offers from Oregon, TCU, Missouri, Kansas State, you know, schools like that. It's good. doesn't blow you away. I'm thinking, I don't know if this is a kid I want to take this early. Just based on that, because we all make our gut reactions. Then I popped in the film. Yes. And it didn't take very long for me to be like, okay, here we go. This is big time. And the film just really knocked my socks off, Ryan. It really knocked my – this kid is a flat-out, very talented player who's just now scratching the surface, in my opinion, of how good of a player he's going to be. Well, and I would say full transparency on him is the the first time that we had kind of shared our thoughts and watched the film. I'm just like, there's corners that are on the Notre Dame board right now that are ranked higher than Leonard Moore that I think Leonard Moore is just a much better football player than much more upside as well. Because that's the thing about Leonard Moore is that he has a pretty interesting baseline because he plays obviously in really good competition area in the state of Texas in Round Rock, which if people Remember the the town, Round Rock, that's Braylon James's hometown as well. And they actually have a pretty deep relationship that I'm sure that we'll talk about some, sometime on the show a little more in-depthly. But he is a player that brings a nice little baseline because he's incredibly long. He's very talented. He's very athletic. And he's played a lot of great competition. But I think I look at Leonard Moore and I'm like, as that 175-pound frame continues to fill out on that 6'2 with vines for arm frame that he has the the upside is astronomical in my opinion because he changes direction really well he's a good athlete you heard him you know no one's going to beat me over the top really talented football player and it's a massive gift for Notre Dame for a variety of reasons one Mike Mickens continues to pull and his defensive staff continues to pull incredibly talented players with a guy like Mick Mickens who has developed guys as well as pretty much anybody over the last few years and has continued to replenish the talent in the room you also get the Texas pipeline, which is big, right? And we we've talked we we were talking a few weeks ago, Brian, before Leonard Moore was offered. We're like, you know, you want to continue that Texas pipeline, obviously. They're signing four guys in 2023, but like you weren't really sure how, where they were with a few of the top targets on the board that are from the state of Texas. And then obviously this one happens, you know, pretty quickly. You know, a guy that was just offered a, a few weeks ago. So I think it's a massive get for the area that he comes from, for the talent that he displays, and for the upside that he has. And a Leonard Moore working with a Mike Mickens down the road, I think he has a chance to end up being a much higher caliber player than what his recruiting rankings say right now. Like, I don't care at all about it. I watch the film. I see a tremendous football player, and I trust Mike Mickens as well. So when you put all those things together, it's hard to poke a hole in this one because there's going to be some people that are just going to look at the rankings, and that's going to be their judgment. Oh, he's a three-star player. Watch the film. This is not a three-star caliber player, in my opinion. I'll be honest, Ryan. I've been surprised by the response from a lot of Notre Dame fans. Before that, we, everybody even knew he was a Notre Dame fit. Even going back to when you guys broke him down on your your show a couple weeks ago, the recruiting show a couple weeks ago with Sean. This is one where most Notre Dame fans seem to get it. I, I, I really do. Most Notre Dame fans watch this kid's film and they're like, yeah, okay, sure. This is really good. You know, that's something we should advise all everyone on is to make your new policy be when you see a Notre Dame's offered a kid, watch the film before you look at his rankings. Because that's what, I mean, we, we make that mistake sometimes, right? Yeah. But I've really been surprised how excited people are about a kid who's a three-star recruit. And it's like, okay, there's we're, we're all starting to kind of figure it out because 
it, it again it it's one of those ones where it's a little puzzling when you look at the three-star ranking, Ryan, because the film pops. I mean, it really does pop. And the other thing, too, if you look at where he plays and you look at the competition he plays against, you know, he comes from a big-time area, Ryan. I mean, he, he's playing against really good competition throughout the, the, the late, year. The Lake Travis's of the world, right? Like, he's right. playing against that type of competition, to your right. point. Yeah. I mean, so so he he, he comes from a, a, a good area. He's he's productive. He's got all the physical tools. We'll, we'll dive into the film here in a little bit, but you know, Ryan, this this is a really strong pickup, and it fits what Notre Dame is looking for, right? Like Mike Mickens, like loves length. Sometimes length can be in a six foot package, like Benjamin Morrison, who's really long for a guy who's six foot, maybe it's slightly over six foot. Christian Gray's listed anywhere between five eleven, six one. He's probably closer to six foot, six foot and a half. Very long. And then, you know, really Micah Bell is the only guy that really lacks length of the last two years, but you make up for it because he's just a blazing fast guy. None of them have the kind of length this kid brings to the table, though, because he's got that combination of height and length, which yep. is, I think, something you really look for at a corner. And he really fits the defense well, Ryan, because he's a guy that has all the traits to play man coverage. He could play zone coverage. He's a good tackler. He's very rangy. And the way he plays in coverage, which we'll see in the film here in a little bit, the way he plays in coverage, sometimes it can be hard to see just how fast he is because of the way they play him. But then you watch him return kicks. I think there's a couple snaps of offense from the last couple of years. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, there it is. There's that. There's that pure speed. But you see the shiftiness, the loop, the change of direction, you know, the hip flexibility, all of the stuff that you look for in a big time corner that are concerns for a guy that you look when you see six two, Ryan, you automatically like, okay. These are the things I'm going to look for because six two guys have a tendency to be this. This right. kid is not that. He's got all he's got all the tools you're looking for. Well, and and again, I, I'm excited to watch the film with everyone again because that was the biggest thing when I watched Leonard Moore that surprised me and why I was on the bandwagon so quickly is that you do have an assumption initially that a six two corner with longer legs is not going to change direction as well as he does. But then you watch him on film, you're like, this kid's a flexible, explosive, and quick twitch athlete. There's all, all those traits are there, right? And I think that when you look at, again, him working with a guy like Coach Mickens, it's just an exciting upside, to say the least, while, during his Notre Dame career because he's played against some great competition. He's going to come into Notre Dame, and he's going to be ready to compete. You know, we, to mention Braylon James, obviously. That was another player that he saw last year, and they they grew up together, right? So he's been tested against some great competition since he was a little kid up until now. So I, again, watch the film, which we will hear in a little bit, but this is a very toolsy football player who I think already has a pretty good floor for how, as good as he can be with that combination. But at the end of the day, the thing that gets you super excited is that you're putting all those traits in the hand of Mike Mickens, all that together. You're, this is an exciting pickup, really exciting pickup. That's the thing is this this kind of kid in the hands of a lesser corner coach would, would you know, you, you wonder, is he going to be able to, to tap into it? But the kid asked him. I, I said, look, I give 247 a lot of flack for it, but Blair did a great job there. I thought that was a very, very good interview right there with him and, and asked pertinent questions and, you know, didn't ask stuff that's like, dude, what are we talking about here? You know, hey, why, you know, what, is, what did you see in Notre Dame? You know, what do they get me? Very good stuff. Allowed people to kind of get a feel for what who this young man is. So uh, kudos to him on that interview. I thought he did a really nice a really nice job there, Ryan. 
And, and and also the fact that he kind of let the cat out of the bag before he yeah. officially made his commitment. I if, if I was the interviewer, I would have been like, um, okay, what's the next question? <laughs> you just told everybody you go to Notre Dame. But either way, man, exciting times to get a guy like yeah. Leonard Moore in the class. Yeah. So let's talk about the class impact, Ryan. What this means for Notre Dame from a putting a class together standpoint. Um, we're gonna we're gonna kind of do this. We're gonna talk about the film. Then we're gonna do sort of a what's next breakdown. We are not gonna do a mailbag today. We've got a lot going on. We're gonna have a show tonight at eight o'clock with Sean Davis. Our RTF show is gonna still be today, but we're moving it to tonight at eight o'clock. Uh, but um, we are so we're not gonna do a mailbag. We will answer super chats at the end uh, as always, but we're not gonna do just an official mailbag. So I just want to give people a heads up on that now. Ryan, when you look at the class impact. Notre Dame came into the cycle, as we mentioned before, three, you know, three corners in 2021. We expect two to still be on the roster in the fall. You've got two cornerbacks in the 22 class, two in the 23 class. So now that you've landed Leonard Moore, you've got two corners in the 2024 class. That's the need. The need was two. So what this does for you now is it gives you a chance and we'll dive into sort of the what's next down the road. It gives you a chance to say, Hey, Moving forward, you're going to just focus on if there's a stud out there, a, a Caleb Beasley, Aaron Scott, you can focus on that, which we'll get into. But the other part of, of impacting the class, Ryan, is he gives you a cornerback, in my opinion, with a lot of positional flexibility in this defense. And then I, I'm getting ready to publish the class impact article here in a second. But one of the things I wrote in there, Ryan, is this is a kid who has the range, the ball skills, the tackling of potential because he's a good high school tackler as we'll show, but he's got to get stronger for college. It's fine, but he's got the potential as a block destructor and tackler to be a very good field cornerback. He also has the footwork, the instincts, the feel, the speed and the playing strength to be a boundary cornerback. And so, whereas to me, Carson Hobbs is more of a field guy and he's more in the, the Clarence Lewis type of style of play. Then he is Cam Hart, you know, who I think could play both, or Benjamin Morrison, or a Christian Gray, who could all be boundary guys. Carson Hobbs is more of a field guy to me. This kid can play both, meaning if he comes in early and you've got a Christian Gray or Benjamin Morrison as your boundary, and this kid's one of your two best corners, he can easily play the field. And then when that guy moves on to the next level, this kid could easily slide over to the boundary. And I think that's an important piece. When you're landing two corners in a class and you're kind of in that part of your your program where two corners is kind of the numbers you, you, you key on most years, you want guys can play with some positional flexibility. Last year, I mean, Micah Bell's a field corner. You know, I don't know if he has the size to be a boundary corner. Jaden Mickey's more of a field corner to me. So you, you're able to get two guys and one in each class, Christian Gray last year, obviously Benjamin Morrison in the previous class. Can you believe we're now two classes past Benjamin Morrison, who was just a freshman All-American? Sorry, I digress. But you've now well, landed well, we're in two moving, years. We're, we're going to move on to 2025 here soon. With yeah, the, I know, right? They're loading up on corners, so. But you, <laughs> exactly. But you look at it, Ryan, and you say, okay, you've got now two. Uh, the other guy in the, each class can be a boundary guy and a field guy. So you want to have as much of that positional flexibility as possible. And that's what Leonard Moore brings to this class. So he's the eighth player to commit to Notre Dame, the third defensive player, the second cornerback. And I think landing a guy like this, to me, he's the highest ceiling guy that they've landed on defense so far. Owen Wafel's the highest ranked right now for me, but this kid has the higher ceiling. And, and Owen Wafel's a lot more advanced, but this kid is a this kid's a really good football player that that adds to the class. And it won't impact the rankings a whole lot just because right now he's a three-star kid. Will they raise him up? 
or not, who knows? I, I have no idea, idea, don't care. But what I'm telling you from an impact in the class standpoint practically and what this means for Notre Dame moving forward, regardless of what you see in the rankings, this kid flat out moves the needle for Notre Dame in this 2024 class. So big, big pickup in that regard. Oh, I, I think that the flexibility is a big thing, right? You talked about the positional flexibility to play, be able to play to the field or in the boundary. I would also say this, Brian, and I think we've talked about this before on a show. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Leonard Moore is a safety down the line, right? And he's a kid that with the combination that he has of the size, the physicality, the foot speed, the change of direction, wouldn't be shocked if he's a big nickel at some point in his career too, you know? Like, he could, I think, do a little bit of everything on the back end, which is so intriguing, man, because, I mean, most people, I think, would look at Leonard Moore and say he's a 6'2 cornerback with really good athleticism. That's a pure boundary kid. But what makes him so interesting is that I don't I, – I think that this is literally what Cincinnati was doing with Marcus Freeman, right, where they were just trying to find these long athletic body types in the secondary that can play all over the place, right? Like you can mix and match so many different coverage possibilities – with a guy like Leonard Moore, you don't have to just stick him in the boundary and forget about him. You can if you want, but also it's not exactly it, a bad proposition. I mean, that's no, where it's you not. that's where you want your dude. But your point is, Ryan, yeah. if I'm reading you correctly, because uh, I want to make sure I'm clear on this, you're not saying you think he's a safety because he can't play corner. What you're saying is is that this is a kid that you can plug in somewhere if he's one of your best. If you have if Christian Gray and Micah Bell and Jaden Mick, you're locking down corner once Benjamin Morrison goes to the NFL, and you're like, dude, we got to get this kid on the field. You're saying you can find a home for him because of that positional flexibility. Am I am I reading you correctly on on that assessment? You are. I would. I'm. Yes, you are. Because what I would say about a guy like a Leonard Moore is that he it, it, with the guys like Benjamin Morrison and Christian Gray, who you already mentioned, that are guys that are very diverse players that can play into the boundary and can play to the field. You don't need to worry as much about boundary and field at that point, right? Now it becomes more of a left-right conversation because those guys can do a little bit of everything. I also think that there's a possibility down the line where if you're starting out the corners are, let's just say in, the, in this theory that we're talking about, let's say it's a Benjamin Morrison and uh, Christian Gray for the lack of a conversation, for that for part of this conversation. Let's say that they're the outside corners and Leonard Moore is too good to not be on the field – you throw him into the nickel and you almost make it almost more like a safety, three safety alignments where he might get rotated up to play safety at times. He might be rotated down to be that man-to-man coverage guy in the slot. Like I just think that this is almost becomes a positionless conversation because you now have multiple cornerbacks on this roster that I don't think are dependent on alignments. I don't think that Leonard Moore is dependent on alignment. I know Benjamin Morrison isn't dependent on alignment. I don't think Christian Gray is going to be dependent upon alignment. And when you kind of put that all together, that's where the positionless football conversation comes for because you just put your best players out there and you can figure it out because those guys can do so many things well. And that's what Leonard Moore, I think, brings to the table. He gives you a lot more alignment possibilities because he has a profile that says, could he be a could he be a boundary corner? Yes. Could he be a field corner? Yes. Could he play some in the nickel? Yes, I believe so. Could he play safety? Yes, I believe so. I don't think there's limitations to your defensive secondary when you as you continue to get more guys like this because they can do a little bit of everything and I think do it really at a high level. 
So, Ryan, let's dive into the film, man. You know, I know that's the part you've been waiting on. I've been just kind of dragging this out just to make you have to wait longer and longer for the film. No, I'm just kidding. I wanted to make sure we kind of got that part of what this really means to the class, right? It's one thing. So, oh, they got another really good player, but how does he fit into the Notre Dame defense? I think it was a very important breakdown. Let's get into the film, Ryan, and, and look at what this kid brings to the table. And the first thing you're going to see is this is a guy that plays the boundary. Let's get this. Y'all don't need to see us on this one. This is a kid that plays into the boundary, and you guys can see right away the incredible, incredible length that he brings to the table. It's this insane, is Ryan, man. just really long kid, really yep. long kid. And he's very smooth, right? I think that's something. It's funny. This wasn't a, a, a great first clip. His, here's the thing I'll say about Leonard Moore. The first thing that I notice when I watch him play, very inefficient footwork. He yep. has a lot going on, and you don't want a corner to have a lot going on. And so sometimes that can mask a little bit his just how smooth and flexible he is. But then you see plays like this one coming up right here, right? And you're like, okay, look at this suddenness. Is this the one? No, this isn't the one. It's the other pump return. But this is the one where you see the speed. You see how loose he is. He's a, such a long strider, right? This uh, is where you Brian, can see him moving. The- did you see him reach out to pick up the football too? Yeah. You want to talk about that arm length again, man? Like it's yeah. wild. It's yeah. wild to watch. Yeah. So one of the things is this is a good ta- – this is what we talk about. He's a more than willing tackler. Look look how hard did that receiver has no chance of getting into Leonard Moore's body. Watch this. That kid cannot get into his chest. He just dismisses – this is a 175-pound kid right here. Just quickly dispatching that guy. Going low, that's the other thing. Cam Hart's really developed into a, a really good tackler because he's learned some from from some past mistakes and he's learned to go low and really go through the knee the thighs and knees of a guy and you see this right here from Leonard Moore which can be hard for a six foot two guy and of course he knocks the ball out but it's the block destruction that happened first and I talk about this in the class impact that I just put out his his potential for block destruction. It's like, yeah, you may like him in the boundary, but good Lord, he may be impossible not to play to the field when you talk right. about just how good he is at covering ground and coming out and block, you know, the block destruction, making tackles. You see the stick there. I mean, this is a kid who's 175 pounds, and he is a more than willing tackler and arrives with some force, Ryan. So you start saying, well, once this kid gets into the weight room, goodness gracious, he's yeah. just toying with this guy right here, Ryan. Right. But here's the thing there's a lot going on with the feet there. A lot going on on the feet there. Yeah, but and, this, and and it's ahead, it's to be expected some of the wasted movement with the lower half because again he is a taller kid, right? I, he is a guy, and he's young. Yeah, and those are things that you need to work out and you continue to need, need to continue to improve upon. But there are a lot of reps on here where you just like that change of direction right there. That's not ordinary, right? Like that's a different type of athlete at six foot two. You don't see guys that are able to change direction like this, and then. Here's your play, man, where you see a little bit of that elusiveness. You see that speed hitting the corner here as a punt returner. I mean, yeah, this is a the lot one of tools. Talking about. Yeah, yeah, this is the one. Th- that right there. That change of direction that he shows three different times. Like this right here, boom. That's really good COD right there, Ryan. Really yep. good change of direction. And just to fit. And look at the confidence in his hands, right? That's the other thing, as you see from a corner. He's got very confident hands. And then the, just the ability to, to bounce that thing outside. You see, he stumbles a little bit and then still is able to regain his speed. So you, you, see the, you see the quickness. And, yes, you're right. A long guy is going to take more time to get his footwork right. And that's going to yeah. come. 
but the tools are there. Look how but did you see that he drives this ball. I was going to say the change of direction on this is is incredible because you think that because uh, he's playing a lot of zone in, uh, early on right. in this film, right? And and usually if I see a tall corner that's playing a ton of zone, I assume he hasn't changed direction very well. But then you see those types of reps where he's able to stick his foot in the ground and come downhill. And it's again, that's just it's. I think it's a little rare of a of a skill set that he has, right? right. And I will, there's, I, I, yeah. I want to move on to this play here real quick, Ryan, just because yep. uh, you, you're. We'll have more of a chance to talk about that rareness because you're absolutely right. But I think this is the thing too is I love the feel he shows right here. So so this is basically he's playing quarters coverage, and well, I think it's quarters coverage, but I don't know because I think it might be some weird cover three because there's actually a deep safety back there. So I'm wondering if this is like an end of half play. Right, the way that they're playing this, but watch how he reads the quarterback's eyes. Why does he leave his outside man? Because he's as soon as the quarterback, watch this. I want y'all to watch when the quarterback is throwing. And as soon as the quarterback cocks back, he starts closing inside. The ball hasn't left the quarterback's hand yet. But why is he doing that? Because he read the quarterback's eyes from that kind of distance, closes on the seam route. And then he, I don't know, did he pick it off or just break it up? Let's see here. Hey, picked it off, even though his own guy drilled him. It's so impressive, it's, man. It's, it's that impressive. too. It's it's that it's that that feel for the game that he shows, the route recognition that he shows. Look how quickly he closes downhill on the swing route. That plant does, and redirect. It, it might be the number five in the fact that he's long, but he does look like Cam Hart on that type yes. of rep because Cam gets yes. downhill real fast against short routes. Yeah. Yes. Out. Yes. No question. Again, it, it, his stance is just all over the place. The technique when it comes to coverage is just not there yet, but his uh, you do see it here. What I love about this rep, Ryan, why does he attack? The, where Look how he attacks this corner. He goes outside because his primary responsibility is you are the force player. Or yes. excuse me, you're the, you're, yes, you're the force player. You're trying to, you cannot let them out leverage you. Is the outside corner in this defense, if you get out leveraged, it might be a touchdown. But he yeah. goes outside. Right, so execution of his assignment, boom, and then he just blows this corner up or this receiver up, and then comes off to make the tackle. But he does it after dismissing the corner and forcing the ball carrier back inside, and then he comes off to it. That's a very sound, fundamental play that also shows some physicality, Ryan. And those are the things you say. This kid's just not talented. This kid knows how to play football. This kid's a disciplined player from an assignment standpoint. He's got to clean up his technique a lot. But he understands it. Look, look how he maneuvers here on this concept. So you've got a you've got a an outside receiver that's basically faking a crack and then goes vertical. So initially he's closing on the, the outside receiver, but he's got his eyes on that receiver to the backfield. He sees the wheel route, and so he gets depth because he's playing a deep third. He gets depth and 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 just says, "Hey, look, I, I see it. I'm, I'm rec- quick quick route recognition." Gets depth as soon as he sees that guy hitch up. He plants li- a little too much footwork there, but again, that's something that we're gonna we, that can be corrected. But once he plants, he explodes downhill and breaks that up. That's and, a combination of great skill and great understanding of how to play the football, how to how to play the game of football. And that's what I'm talking. That's what I really like, Ryan. This kid is not just an athlete; he's a smart football player as well. Well, and you make a make a great point about the inefficient footwork because even on that one, Brian, like he's he's high in his pedal, you know, like it's not an easy thing for him to change direction. But I think that again, that's why you see this kid's a really good athlete. And once the, the technique catches up to the athleticism he has, 
sky is the limit. And, and, you know, here he is coming off the edge. Obviously, he is has no problem with playing with the level of physicality, right? And you see that in his ability to reroute, reroute players in the past game. You see that with the ability to get off a block. You see him coming here on a cornerback fire and finishing the play. Well, what uh, I like about this too, Ryan, is the cornerback fire takes him on a high angle. So he's playing high on the on the nature of it because he's he's heading towards the the mesh right and the and the running back is going inside. His ability to recover and still get hands on and drag this guy down is actually an underrated play there, yeah. because he isn't taking an angle to square up the running back, but he's still able to get off and go make that play. On you know it, it's just, it's a good football play, man. It's a good football yes. play. Here he is, obviously, in the bottom of the screen, playing a little press. Oh, here comes another cornerback fire. Look at the length, though. It's like he can almost touch the ground once he gets in a stance. Yeah. You know, this kid's really long. Really long. You got to love the length of of this kid, man. And you see pictures of him, Ryan. He's got some some body to fill out, too, right? Look Look how smooth he closes on this post route. Well, it's more of a slant route. I don't love the angle that he takes. You know, he's actually a little bit of a trail position. If this ball is a little bit better thrown, um, you know, may, maybe the guy completes it, but he undercuts that thing quickly and gets his hands on the ball. That's another thing too, Ryan. He in this film, he gets his hands on a lot of passes. Yes, and and you want to see that he gets his and, hands on a lot of throws. And why does length matter? It's that last play, right, where he's in trail and he's able to still get his his hand in there for the pass breakup. Those things matter so much. And this is one of those – people will call him pesky, right? Pesky at the line of scrimmage, pesky at the catch point. But he's going to break up a lot of passes just for the reach that he has. Mm-hmm. Misses a little bit there on the tackle. But you see the effort. You know, it's not a, It's not to me, not really a highlight. But I kind of like it when kids put non-highlights on their highlight film, you know. Yep. You get to see some of this. Again, look at the patience, letting the post snap switch develop, staying in your zone, being disciplined, then get your depth. He's undercutting on this particular play. This looks like cover two, Ryan. So he's undercutting. Uh, you're going to run vertical until the guy in your zone stops. He's run vertical. He stops at the moment. Watch this. So watch the slot, slot receiver. So what they're doing here is basically they're running smash from an inverted standpoint. So usually in smash, this slot guy is going to run the corner and they call it a smash route. The inside guy will run like a hitch, you know, conversion route. In this one, they're running smash from an invert. So the outside guy is going to actually run the hitch. The inside guy is going to run basically a sort of a, a, like a kind of a square corner on that one. And so he is getting depth until someone attacks his zone. You can see it. So as soon as he sees the outside guy kind of go vertical, okay, so he comes inside. So, here, here's what's going through his head. When that guy's going inside like it's a crack, he's like, okay, he's going into the the inside linebacker's zone. But as soon as he squares up and gets vertical, then you see Leonard Moore get vertical, right? Because he's got to carry that until someone attacks his zone. Once that guy hitches up, you're going to see he stops at almost the same time that the cor- that the receiver does and then just quickly drives on the football and makes that play. That's a, just a really instinctive, fundamentally sound football play, right? And I'll say this too, we're going to get super excited about all the talent that he has from a physical perspective, right? But I feel like things that we keep talking about are also the intelligence that he has, right? The mental awareness. I mean, he plays a lot of zone at his level. And if you've ever coached high school football or just played high school football, you know how frustrating it can be to watch a corner play zone because they just have, they don't have a great instinct 
to when to let guys go and to pass off and do all those types of things. And you see Leonard Moore, he's a very intelligent football player because he just understands zone awareness. And it sounds like a small thing, but a lot of quarterbacks his age struggle with that. They really do. And I, I just I think that this is not only a physically impressive football player, I think that there's a really nice mental side of the game to how he plays as yeah. well. When he's a tremendous student. You know, his dad, his dad, I think, works at the University of Texas. You know, very academically oriented. I mean, reminds me a lot of the James family, to be honest with you, Ryan. Uh, Braylon James have very Which similar family backgrounds. You know what I mean? Like now yeah. their parents do different things, but just the focus on you know, getting a great education, the importance of academics. There's a lot of similarities. And of course, Braylon's from the Round Rock area too, but uh, you're getting a kid that comes to Notre Dame knowing that I'm not just, I'm not just coming here to play football. I'm coming here to get a great education. And you heard him say it. I mean, it's the first thing he said. I wanted to go somewhere with a great academics. You know, there's a lot more kids out there like that than people think. And you just got to get them. That's the big key. You just got to get them. And I love that. I love that he returns punts. I really do mm-hmm. because he plays obviously in a big area against a lot of great competition. The fact that he is the chosen person to be the punt returner, I think does say a lot to the all around athletic profile that he has. I really think it does. Cause I mean, he's playing with some other good players, obviously, right? right? Like he's not playing with a bunch of scrubs. So, which right. is always a good sign right here. Ryan is one of his better reps. This is one yeah. of his best reps. You know, you see yep. him press, Right. The transition is very look how smooth the hips are. His footwork is not great, but you see how smooth the hips are. He mirrors this guy on this route. He stays on hot, stays high on him. Right. Stays on that upfield shoulder. He's got his eyes on him, gets his hands on him, but not grabby. As soon as the guy stops, he stays right in front of him and closes on him. Right. The ball doesn't come his way, so it doesn't look like a great highlight. But this is one of the better reps right here where you just see all the skills. Once his footwork improves, this is going to be just a I mean those reps right there are going to be even more impressive. And and I think that that's the reason that some people struggle with cornerback evaluations at times is that a lot of the best reps are involving the ball, not being thrown that way. Right. That's, I mean, the fact that he did not have that ball, even slightly looking his way tells me that they understand that, like that he's locking them down. Right. I mean, you can't just watch about the, you can't just watch, the targets, the pass breakups, like all those things matter, obviously. But the fact that the ball was only thrown at him, I think he said a total of like 18 times all year, right? It's, I think says a lot that you need to know about so yeah. how much teams respect him. Yeah, Ryan, right here is another good rep. You've, you, The other day we we're talking about what makes a good man cornerback, and you said patience. Look at this. This is patience right here. Now this play gets blown dead, but he shoots his hips. What you want, what patience to me is when a guy shoots his hands, he doesn't shoot his upper body. Yes. Right. So what you'll see is guys will kind of lunge. He doesn't lunge here. Right. You just see him shoot his hands, but he sits on his butt. He's still on the balls of his feet. He's ready for this guy to make a move. And then when the guy declares, he doesn't start moving downfield till the guy declares. Yep. That's a really, really good rep. You really see that because there's not a ton of man of, of him playing man. But in the snaps where he is playing press man, it's really impressive. Yeah. And, and press is so. Again, people I think have a mis uh, like a misunderstanding of it because they just think about the upper body and the in the you know the the punch and all that great stuff. Press corners, the the feet matter just as much as the punch. It really does. You have to get everything aligned and keep in proper position and be able to have independent hands while you're working through your press and and being able to move your feet. And I think you see that there's a level of patience and a level of confidence that this kid has that. All corners need like they need that type of type of stuff. And 
again, man, I mean, I can't speak more highly of this young man because I think that he has just the tools to be an excellent football player at the next level. So that's the film of Leonard Moore, Ryan. We're going to kind of wrap this up with sort of a what's next. We kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier, but you've met your numbers needs in this class. And, you know, that's that's it. That's good. It's early. You know, you can now start focusing on the 2025 class a little bit if you're Mike Mickens, which you can be very patient with. Hopefully you can use Mike Mickens to maybe help you with some other positions, you know, in my view. But the other thing too, Ryan, is this gives you a great opportunity because because the need is a two, but they can take three. Right. There's the room on the roster and in the class to take a third if it's the right three. So right now you basically say, okay, we've got our corner. So Coach Mick, you've got two guys on your board in 2024. That's it. It's Caleb Beasley and Aaron Scott. And there's other corners on the board. I mean, they could talk to Bryce West and – you know, there's the kid from California that wants to play receiver. If you wanted to, I don't know, spend some time recruiting him. Um, uh, it was, Aaron, Aaron Butler. Correct. Aaron Butler. Correct. Yeah. You could do that if you wanted to. I would not. Uh, for a bunch of different reasons, would would not be a guy. He would not be a guy that I spend a lot of time on as a defensive back. If you want to recruit him, recruit him as a receiver. But you're not going to get him as a defensive back. You know, but when you look at the rest of the board, Ryan. There's some other guys on the board that, that are good football players, like the Jeremiah Newcombs and the John Mitchells and guys like that that they've offered. But I, I just don't know if right now I would move on those guys as a third. What sure. I would look for is if I can find a guy, I'm twofold. One, if I can find just a really good slot corner, just a guy that can kind of come in and just really thrive as a slot corner, as a starter, a Thomas Harper type as a corner a guy like that, if you can find that kind of guy. But more importantly, I'm focusing on the high, high-level guys. And the high, high-level guys that Notre Dame is on, that I think they have a shot at, that fit Notre Dame and all those other type of things, it's it's simple. It's Caleb Beasley from Tennessee, who goes to Lipscomb Academy, I believe, right, in Tennessee? Yes, correct. And then you've got Aaron Scott, who goes to Springfield uh, High School in Springfield, Ohio. That That's it for me. And if I don't get one of those two guys – Hey, it's all good. But if you get one of those two guys, then all of a sudden your cornerback class is just amazing. For me, I pro- I would lean towards Beasley. I just love Caleb Beasley. I think he has a lot of positional flexibility. I think he could play slot as well because he's so physical. I think he runs well enough to play the outside. I think he could eventually be a safety. He could do. He's a lot like Leonard Moore from a positional flexibility standpoint. But I mean, he he's just a and he's a great Notre Dame fit. He's a lot like Leonard Moore academics are important to him and his family. He, you know, he, he's got a, just comes from a really great family. So he's a guy that I would stay on. I, I view Caleb Beasley a lot like Christian Gray last year. When, when I talked to sources at Notre Dame about Christian Gray, when he was leaning towards Ohio state and LSU for a while, they're like, yeah, we're, we're not worried about it. You know, we're, we're going to keep, we're going to keep recruiting him. And, and because the reality is, is that um, he's a, he's a Notre Dame kid. He just maybe doesn't necessarily know it just yet. You know, that, that's kind of that's kind of the way that they look at it. So, you know, for me, Ryan, I think that is that is where I would go. I mean, I, I think you can push for Aaron Scott if you want to, and I think Aaron Scott likes Notre Dame. Uh, right. I think he'd be a good fit at Notre Dame. It's just going to be hard to get him out of Ohio State. You know, so do you say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recruit both of them, or do you say I'm going to put all my efforts into one of them? I think they're good either way. I don't think there's a wrong answer there, nah. but I would push hard for those two kids. And and of course, Caleb Beasley's committed. 
And that's the other thing too, Ryan, is if, if the guys you really like that you think are difference makers for you are committed, so what? If you don't get them, you're fine. You're in good shape. Exactly. But if you get them, you've really closed the gap, in my opinion, at the position. Uh, I think so. And and I think that those two are the guys because they're the elite players on the board, right? Like you mentioned a few other guys that are good football players. Like I really like Jeremiah Newcomb. Like I would yeah. have been interested in him being a part of the yeah. class potentially. Maybe he will be eventually. Like who yeah. knows? But I think that you John said it Mitchell's perfectly. Another one that I like John Mitchell's a, a good yeah. a good football player for sure. But when you're talking about who are the elite level guys, who are the legitimate potential top 50 players in this class, who are the guys that could be uh, like, you know, similar to a Leonard Moore in the sense that they could play into the boundary, they could play into the field and do it at a very high level. I think you mentioned them already, right? I mean, Caleb Beasley is a kid that, yeah, he's committed to Tennessee right now. But you saw a few weeks ago when Marcus Freeman went to his basketball game at his school, how excited Caleb Beasley was that Marcus Freeman was taking the time to do that, right? So I still think there's interest there, obviously. But at the end of the day, Caleb Beasley is a very high-end talent, right? Mm-hmm. And he comes from an academically oriented school. He would be a great fit. I agree 100% on that. And if you miss on any of these corners on the board, you already have two very talented ones that are part of the class. You've hit the needs. So I think that Caleb Beasley makes a lot of sense. I think Aaron Scott makes a lot of sense because, I mean, it would great be great to get that type of caliber of a player out of the state of Ohio because you're not going to get that guy often, right? Like it, Ohio State's usually going to close on that guy. There's definitely interest there from an Aaron Scott. Is it enough to pull him out of the state of Ohio and take him away from Ohio State? I think that that's the biggest question mark. But you, but can, now, you can now put the time into that though, Ryan, because exactly. you've got these two kids. So and, if he says no, so yeah. what? Exactly. And, and the relationship changes a little bit. Like obviously you're going to continue to recruit Leonard Moore and Carson Hobbs because they're recruited here and it, the recruiting doesn't stop just because they're committed to the class. Right. But you could also put a little more of an, you know, a little more time into the Caleb Beasley's of the world to the Aaron Scott's. So, you know, maybe it doesn't go anywhere. Maybe it does. At the end of the day, you have, you have now gotten commitments from two very talented cornerbacks and you can shoot for the stars, man. You could go for the big fish that are in, on the board right now. So Caleb Beasley, Aaron Scott, I expected them to be high priorities for this for this staff, for Coach Mickens, obviously. And if they're able to land one of those, I mean, we got to start talking about this being one of the best quarterback halls in X yeah. amount of years. I mean, like, it would be fantastic. Well, I mean, the three year, I mean, just even with the two guys they have, and as someone who who likes Carson Hobbs, but but isn't maybe as high on him as the Nurem staff is. Even with him, I mean, if that's your sixth corner in the three-year stretch, you've done really well at corner. You know, you've done really well at corner. You flipped them from an SEC school that right now is on an absolute roll recruiting-wise in the 20th. I was going to say, South Carolina's tearing it up on the recruiting mm-hmm. trail right now. So, yeah. So, you, you, you got that one. You're in a good position there. Now, as far as kind of what's next for the 2024 class as a whole, you know, Notre Dame's been kind of going about the 24 class a little differently than last year's class. Because as of right now, the expectations, the numbers are going to be a little bit smaller. They yep. were willing to get up to 28 next year. It's going to be tough to get close to 25 in this class. You know, I think 22, 23 is probably the target number. They're sitting there now at eight. So they're about a third of the way done. The the class is interesting at some of the positions that they like, uh, that, that, that are needs for them. It, it's not necessarily a great year nationally. So they're being a little bit patient. They were actually pretty patient at corner. I mean, they do a lot of offers, but as far as like pushing for certain guys, they didn't really do it until 
you know, they kind of identified the guys that they wanted and thought that were the right fits. But right now, Notre Dame's not really pushing to, for, for a lot of guys to commit right now. I think they they want to get guys in into the spring. I think this March and April is going to be a much more busy period than February is going to be for Notre Dame, especially now that you've got an offensive coordinator higher. There are some guys certainly Notre Dame would take commitments from, and there are certainly guys that Notre Dame wants and will continue to recruit hard for. But but now that Leonard Moore's in the class, there aren't a lot of guys that they're necessarily pushing to commit outside of the, okay, of course they want Justin Scott right now. Of course they want Ryan Wingo right now. But outside of those big-time guys, they're not really pushing for a lot of guys. They're being a little bit patient right now and and really trying to build the relationships because I think this now that's what I know is happening. That that That's what I know is happening. So I think you're going to see this class fill up come April and May is when you're going to see the uh, the next run of recruits, you know, maybe get three, four, five guys in that stretch period of time between like, you know, beginning of spring practice and the blue gold game. Sure. So, but, but what I, what I think is, is different about this. So that's what I know. What I think is that they are trying to be a little bit more uh, thorough in some of the background stuff. Selectives. Yeah, because yeah. of what happened last year with the Dylan Edwardses and the Peyton Bowens and, and to a degree, Keon Keeley's and Elijah Pages, as you know, they got on these kids quick. They did a great job recruiting them and bam, they got them in the class. And then, of course, things went a different way is, hey, let's spend let's make sure we take our time because it's better to lose a kid that never committed than to kind of have the situation like you had last year, you know, and so. I just I just think that that's why you're seeing some of the patience combined with the fact that it is going to be a smaller class. Because like last year, you could take a flyer on a guy early and say, hey, let's let's take a shot at this guy, because if if he doesn't pan out, we're OK. We, we're, we're, it's going to be a big class. So, you know, we can take a chance on a certain kid this year. It's like, OK, we're in a good place. We've got two good classes in a row. We got great numbers in last year's class, plus the transfers. You know, let's let's sit back and make sure that we're making the right decisions. And so I think that's the lesson that Notre Dame has learned from last year's class is sometimes it, it can be difficult. It, it can be problematic to take a guy too soon because now you've painted the target on your back as the team to beat. I always have said it is easier to get a kid to commit and then keep them. I still believe that that is true. But I think the staff is trying to make sure they're doing their due diligence to make sure that when they do take a commitment, that the kid is going to stick it out. We also know that in this class, Ryan, if a kid if a kid wants to commit, they are being very firm about don't go public with it until you are done taking visits. Yep. Like I know that for a fact. There are kids that that have either gone silent or want to commit that Notre Dame's like, okay, cool, you're done with visits. Now I still want to take some spring. Okay, cool, no problem. You do that, but you're not committing until you do that. Publicly. And I think right. that's a smart, that's a smart, they've always kind of had that policy, but it was more geared towards officials. Can't take sure. officials anywhere else. I think now my understanding is they're doing it with, if you're going to take unofficials, just do, just take those officials. It's all good. You don't, you don't need to rush this thing. And I think the fact that they are being a little selective also gives them the ability to do that because they don't need to get up to 28, 29 guys or 27, 28 guys like last year. So I think those, that combination, um, of things has has put them in a position, Ryan, where they can be a little bit more patient and and they're adjusting their strategy a little bit. So you want to talk about learning from kind of what happened to you last year? I think that's something that's a lesson that they've learned 
from last year that they're applying to this year's class, which is easier to do because it'll be a smaller, smaller class. As of right now, like Brandon Plessler's talking about how he thinks this class is going to end up being bigger than last year's class. It may be, Brandon, but right now the target number is a little bit smaller. It's like 22 to 23. There clearly could be some things that shape up to make it bigger. Got to remember, there's still like five over the 85 scholarship limit now. Right. I mean, there's guys they got to clear up just to get the current roster down to 85. And there's well, a lot of guys with eligibility going into next year. So there's going to be some kids around the breakout and go pro that we're not expecting. There's going to be some kids who who get buried in the depth chart and transfer. So it, it could certainly open some things up. But right now, 22 and 20 to 23 is more the target number. I could see right. it getting up to 25 if certain things fall into place. But right now, they're shooting for a little bit of a smaller class at this point in time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And, and I know that we get asked that question a whole lot on the message board, on the shows and everything. And it's always, you know, I always say kind of the similar thing. I'm like, you know, 22, 23, somewhere in that ballpark. But it could always change, right? Like there's unforeseen things that can happen so quickly with how college football operates now. I mean, you talk about the transfer portal. You talk about ability to go pro. You talk about injuries, you know, like those those things all together. I mean, those numbers can change so quickly. So, I mean, I think that we just need to, you know, have a little – just a – I'm not saying this is against anybody in the chat at all. Like I'm not saying that at all. I just think there's a level of patience you need to have to like what the final number is because we understand that things can change. But as of right now, that's kind of what the number is that's out there. But, you know, things obviously can change rather quickly with how the game operates today in the college ranks. So, Mr. Roberts, that's going to do it. For this portion of the show, we're going to just we have a couple super chats we're going to get to, but but that's going to kind of wrap up learning more big pickup, Ryan, for Notre yep. Dame, obviously a very important pickup, very talented player, a guy that Mike Mickens kind of said, hey, look, let's really identify the board, see who I like, get out and identify kids, see kids, make sure that they 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 stack up, interview people around them, talk to people around them and make sure that they're the fits that you're looking for. And as soon as Notre Dame really dove into learning more, he quickly shot up the board for Notre Dame. And now he's in the class February 4th. Leonard Moore is in the Notre Dame class and they've got a very talented player. So And continue that pipeline in Texas. He has a great relationship obviously with Braylon James and you're just continuing to tap into a pipeline that you need to tap into. It's interesting, Ryan, you and I were talking about three weeks ago, maybe about a month ago now, where we're like, you know, looking at the board, like I don't see as many potential Texas guys in the board this year as, as we did last year. So, and that yeah. was before Leonard Moore was like, we knew of Leonard Moore, but we didn't know if he was going to be a serious target for them. That didn't really kind of come out until like early, early to mid March. 
but you're saying like, okay, Peyton Pierce, and then now all of a sudden they've thrown out a bunch of offers in Texas, and there's at least two guys that I think they have a pretty decent shot, uh, you know, to get Peyton Pierce. We'll see how that one goes now that James Laurinaitis is gone. That's going to be yep. an interesting one. I don't feel as good about that one as I did before, but we'll see if the if the staff can kind of get back on track on that one with James Laurinaitis gone. But there's a couple more guys now that that you look at and say, okay, there are some guys on the board in Texas now, but you're yes. at least going to get one. And as you said, that's an important aspect of it. You got, what, four last year. You get one yep. this year. I think that's big. Actually, you only got three last year, right? Because the four. fourth one left. Who's the fourth? No, you, you had five. Um, you had Micah Bell, Braylon James, Caleb Micah Smith, Bell's James who I was forgetting. I knew yep. the three receivers. I forgot about Micah Bell. How could I forget yep. about Micah Bell? <laughs> so, you know, you got him. Now you got another one this year. And here's the thing I love, Ryan. They're all skill players. Yes. You got a bunch right. of athletes that are all mostly long, talented. Yeah, so you're yeah. you're doing all right for yourself. You're doing all right for yourself in Texas. As we said earlier, we're not doing a mailbag today. We're just going to answer super chats. So we do have a couple super chats we're going to get to. Uh, first super chat that we're going to get to is just uh, Milton Fan Fifteen it says Brian uh, Ryan, your pick for OC. We kind of explained this last night, Milton. We don't have a pick. We have that group of guys we really like. It's the Joe Brady's. It's the Mike Denbrock's. It's the Joe Moorhead group. It's the um, Andy Ludwig. Andy Ludwig. Definitely Andy Ludwig. Jason Candle. Like that kind of group right there for me. You get one of those guys. I'm 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 happy. I'm happy. There's really not. uh, And I know I've already I'm already seeing it in my DMs and texts and the board. I'm team so and so, and I'm and, and that's fine. I mean, you can pick the guy you like the most. But just don't get to the point where you convince yourself that if they don't get that guy, it's not a success. There's there's a list of five to six guys that I see right now, just that we know that that we that that we know we like that we think Notre Dame might target that we really like, and I think you could go six or seven right in guys that I really like. So just understand your guy is not the only good hire that they might be able to make, and if they make a hire that we don't like, we'll let you know. But there's a board that I really like, and there's some guys that could hire. That would make me not as happy. I keep getting talked about by Pep Hamilton. That would make me not happy. That'd make me very unhappy. And and so that's not a, you know, hopefully that's not a direction that you go. So there are some ha- hires that would not make me happy. But as long as it's from that board of guys that we really like, that we broke down last night, I, I don't have a guy, right? I really don't. There's some good coaches out there that would move the needle. Go get one. Ryan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, we, we talked, uh, I mean, in-depthly about it, Milton Fan. I, I would say this. I've been doing a lot more research on not only the background of the guys, of the coaches that we talked about last night, but also just kind of listening to how they present the game and how they interview. And, I mean, again, I, I just think there's a few really good options at the board. I mean, a couple of personal favorites that we talked about, like Joe Brady makes a lot of sense. A- Andy Ludwig, I think, is a guy that's really impressive. Joe Moorhead is – I don't think there's a wrong answer in that top group. You know, I mean, there might be a guy that like I is really knocking my socks off that I'm doing my research with. I mean, like I, I talked to Brian before this, like I really, really like Andy Ludwig. That doesn't necessarily mean he's my number one option. That just means that I think that there's a few really good options on the board that I'm excited about. So okay. that's where we are right now. I mean, there might be a personal favorite that arises for me over the next few days as I continue to do research, but I think that top group, especially, there's a lot of good qualities that each one of them bring to the table, in my opinion. 
Absolutely. Got a couple super chats here from Charlie Weiss's last belt loop. Great pickup. I can tell you firsthand, Texas has some big time football. Does the staff keep pushing for Caleb or another guy as well? Go IB, go Indy. So we did kind of address that a little bit, Charlie. So I appreciate that, but I do appreciate the super chat. I think Caleb Beasley is and Aaron Scott are those two guys. But, but I don't think they're the only guys that they'll look for. Because again, I think if you can find a really good slot guy, a guy that's just, boy, like that's what I like about John Mitchell. I don't know how much you've seen of John Mitchell, Ryan, but like that to me, guy to me is like, man, he looks a lot like what Thomas Harper is, but f- but faster. You know, he's got that length, that that nice build, that speed, that really twitchy ability where you're like, well, you put that guy in a slot, and he's a pretty good football player right there. You know, so there's some guys like that as well, but but I think right now Caleb Beasley and Aaron Scott are at the top of the board in that regard. In the final super chat, also from Charlie Weiss's last bell loop, he says, I remembered when Notre Dame couldn't get corners, how times have changed just shows you get the right coaches who can recruit. It can change the program. That is so true. I mean, I, I remember going through this, like Tony Alford did a great job at Notre Dame. I mean, he got, I mean, Cameron Roberson was a guy I liked a lot. He had some injury issues. You think of of Alford and then the previous was a Bernie Parmalee. You've got in back-to-back classes, you got James Aldridge, who's a five-star before he tore his knee up. In 06 and 07, you got Armando Allen and Robert Hughes, who were top 100 backs. In 2008, you got Jonas Gray, who was a top 100 back. In 2009, you got Sear Wood and, and, and Jonas Gray. Or excuse me, Sear Wood and Theo Riddick. And then you had the, the first 2010 class was kind of, you know, you had the the issues. But, like, you ended up still getting Cameron Robers. I think it was in the 2010 class. I liked him a lot. And and then you kind of went through a little bit of a law. And then, of course, Tony Alford is able to – the offense finally starts showing something. They get rid of – you know, because remember, Tim Hinton was the running back coach in 2010-11. Tony Alford didn't get take back over the running back position because they moved him out to receiver. When Kelly mm-hmm. first got hired, so you could have Tim Hinton on the staff. And then, of course, when he moves back out to, to running back as the running back's coach, he, he gets Greg Bryant and Torian Folson in the 13 class and then gets Josh Adams and Dexter Williams in the 15 class you know, before he leaves. And then all of a sudden running backs don't want to come to Notre Dame anymore. And then Lance Taylor shows up and Chip Long shows up and they get Chris Tyree and they get, you know, into 2020 class or, you know, Kyron Williams in 2019. Although that was a guy they got after some misses worked out well, but it wasn't, you know, he wasn't a plan a guy. If we're being honest, still worked out well. You get Chris Tyree in 2020, you know, 2021, you come out and you get, um, Audric Estimate and Logan Diggs, 22, you come out and get Jadarian Price, 23, you get, and you're like, okay, so you've had 15 years of, 20 years of running back recruiting. It's good, bad, good, bad, good. <laughs> well, has somehow running back, you know, personality changed? No, it's, you had a good recruiter in Bernie Parmalee and then Tony Alford. You had a, or you had a good recruiter in Bernie Parmalee. And, and Alfred in 09 with Theo and Sierra, then they moved to Kelly moves him to receiver for Tim Hinton and running back recruiting is not as good. Then they move Alfred back and all of a sudden it works again. So when you put a guy there that can recruit his butt off, imagine that Notre Dame does well. Cornerback's the same thing. You didn't have guys that were dynamic recruiters at corner, right? You did. And I mean, Charlie was able to get, remember in 06, you got the Darren walls, Rayshon McNeil class. You got Gary Gray in 07. And then all of a sudden the defense struggles and it's a little tougher. You know, you have Mike Dembrock's able to get T Shepard, right? And Kavari Russell, he recruited both of those guys. Your tight ends coach landed you two cornerbacks, right? Because Kerry Cooks had some issues early on. You had Ronald Darby committed, but then Kerry Cooks doesn't stay locked in on him and he ends up going to Florida State, right? So, and then of course, you know, Todd Light just, just could never quite find his groove as a recruiter. 
you know, having not been in it for a while before he left, still did some nice things. Got the Julian Love, Troy Pride, Dante Vaughn class. But look, when you hire guys that can recruit, you can get guys at every. There's not a position Notre Dame can't recruit really darn good football players if you hire dynamic recruiters. I think it is a program where you need to make more. You have to have more confidence or or more ability as a recruiter. You can't afford to have four guys that aren't grinding. And right now, I think the issue Notre Dame has is there's a couple too many guys that just aren't grinders, especially on defense. So clear that, clean that up. Whether get them on track or get somebody else, I don't really care what the option is, but they got to be better. And you're gonna be you're gonna be fine because when you hire good recruiters, Notre Dame can recruit well. You hire Marcus Freeman, all of a sudden they can recruit linebackers as well as anybody in the country. Hire Mike Mickens, and all of a sudden you're recruiting cornerback as well as you have in 20, 30 years. It's not a, it's not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence because guys like Leonard Moore and Benjamin Morrison and Micah Bell, who's also a great student, and Christian Grazer, those guys have always been there. They've always been there. It's just, are you willing to go find them, or are you willing to fight for them? Previous coaches weren't willing to fight Ohio State and LSU for a Christian Gray. They sort of gave up on him and moved on to somebody else. This staff doesn't do that. Mike Mickens doesn't do that. Marcus Freeman doesn't do that. And that's why you're seeing right. the cornerback recruiting becoming a lot better. And it's the same thing with running back. It's the same thing at receiver with Chansey. You know, we'll see if he can do it two years in a row. Um, obviously, Harry's never going to back down from anybody when it comes right. to recruiting. And so you, you give me those kind of guys, and 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 I'm I'm going to feel good. And as much as I love Mike Elston, he oftentimes would back down from those fights. In his defense, it was often because he knew it was him. He was alone on an island against the head coach, D coordinator, and D line coach at Bama, right, or, sure. or Ohio State. I, I get that one. It's not a coincidence that Mike Elston got Brendan Vernon and, and Keon Keeley and Tyson Ford and Aiden Gobira when he had Marcus Freeman with having his back. It's not a coincidence, right? And so. That's kind of that's where it needs to be, man. It's where it needs to be. Yeah. And yes, Charlie, I agree with you. Mike Mickens absolutely needs a pay raise. A hundred percent correct. It's it is a personality though on this coaching staff that is it's very refreshing. Honestly, I mean, you mentioned the wide receiver for what I I always think back to that Braylon James story, right? Where Braylon just didn't hear from anyone because I think that on and this is just my opinion. I think that there was probably either a bad identification on Notre Dame's side or they saw a top 100 football player in the state of Texas and they're like, we probably aren't going to get that kid, right? Like, I think that that assumption was made. For Chansey, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that he's the top 100 player from the state of Texas. I'm going to go get my guy, right? And I think that you see that a lot on this coaching staff. I think as you get more dynamic recruiters or people step up to the plate – I mean, we've talked about it, man. Notre Dame's a sleeping giant. They are. If Notre Dame can win something significant here over the next couple of years with the dynamic recruiters that they are collecting on the staff, the, the, the upside is almost limited. The sky is, you know, this the ceiling is the roof, however you want to kind of phrase it. The, the upside is just tremendous, and I think that that is a great example. I think that Mike Mickens exemplifies that fact because he is not backing down from dudes. He's going to get the Mike Bells out of the state of Texas, a 4-3 kid out of the state of Texas. He's fighting LSU, Ohio State, USC, everybody else for Christian Gray. Don't back down from those fights because that Notre Dame can win those fights if the right guys are in place. I agree 100%. Right. you got to find the right guys, right? Like Cormani McLean, great football player, not a guy that is really one you're going to invest a lot of time in. You're just not going to get that kid. That doesn't mean that Cormani's not a, a, a bad kid or, or anything like that. or It just means some guys just aren't gonna aren't fits. fits in their name aren't gonna like Notre Dame. like like aj harris in a lot of ways is a fit at Notre Dame, but he didn't believe that and the dad loved Notre Dame. the dad was a fan but they kind of figured out early on like look 
we're spinning our wheels here because nothing's resonating with this kid. He's obsessed with the Georgias, the Ohio States, the Alabamas. Okay, cool. AJ Harris is a great kid. Would have would have fit in at Notre Dame very well, but he doesn't. He doesn't see it that way. And, and so you, you you get in those situations, and you sometimes you got to say, hey, look, we just we had to go in a different direction because this guy just wasn't just didn't have that same interest as another guy, and that's okay. Doesn't mean they're bad kids, but there are plenty of kids out there. Okay, so so AJ Harris doesn't want to be that guy. Christian Gray does. Go get Christian Gray. He's also an outstanding football player, and I think that's just that's what I think this staff is willing to do is. They're not going to fight that fight just to do it when you're reading the kid and you're like, this kid just isn't that interested. But when, when they get those kids that are, they'll battle. They'll absolutely battle. And I think, I think you have to be self-aware that it's a fight. That's not worth fighting, right? Like if there's no, it's not a winnable fight. Right. 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 Because if there's no traction and you understand that you're not going to ultimately win the fight, then you're just wasting your time if you continue to bang your head against the wall, right? And then that's when you lose sight of, hey, man, the, the Micah Bells of the world might be out there, right? The Christian Grays might be a guy that needs to be a priority. Then you start allocating time in the wrong places, and that's counterproductive to you being successful. Agree. We did have one super chat pop up here, Ryan, from Raymond Horton. Right, Raymond, thank you very, very much. He says, great job last night, guys. I really trust your analysis on coordinators. What did we pay Tommy, and would they be willing to pony up more, or is that not possible? Tommy was I, – I, I won't say what Tommy's salary was, but he was in the seven figures. He was yep. making good money, and Notre Dame was is willing to pay good money. Now, the question is – and this is kind of thing that, that you look at a guy like Mike Dembrock, right? It's not just that Mike Dembrock makes good money. It's that a lot of those coaches who make a lot of money – a school's not paying a guy a million and a half dollars, two million dollars if there's not a buyout in his contract. Right. I'll be I'll be a little surprised if Notre Dame didn't get a little bit of money uh from him, to be honest with you. And somebody said the salary's public. Notre Dame's coaches' salaries are not public information. Yeah, uh, they're a private school. They don't have to report salaries. But what I would say, Ryan, is Notre Dame, I think, got a little bit of a penny from a little bit of a pretty penny from Alabama to take Tom Reese. I, I'd, I'd be shocked if they don't have a buyout clause in his contract that Alabama yeah. had to play. And that's what a lights coaches are. So when you look at a guy like Mike Dembrock, who got a very nice salary from LSU to leave Cincinnati, you're not going to have to pay him that kind of money and match that. You're also going to have to pay a pretty big buyout. And yeah. so that's something that has to factor into some of these things as well. Uh, when you look at hiring coaches and, and things like that and why some guys, um, you know, may not be doable because of that, but you still take your shot, right? You still talk to them. You still say, Hey, look, if, the, if you want to be here, then we'll, we'll make it work. Right. Sure. But I, 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 I look at it and I say, Hey, look, um, I, I think that if they find the right guy, I don't think money's going to be the issue. I don't, it's more right. of, you got a couple guys you like, but we're going to take this guy because it's going to cost us 10 million less dollars. That's okay. I, yep. I'm fine with that. And, and then you've got 10 million less do- extra dollars that you don't have to take out of your coach's budget that you can use to make sure you keep dealing and Harry, he's staying and chance and those other kind of guys. Right. So I think that's, um, or you can pay a little bit more towards the salary because you don't have to pay as much on the buyout to get a guy over. I think those are the different factors that kind of, kind of go, go into it. No doubt for me. So, We'd have another super chat pop up from Lucas Dizon. How did Leonard Moore do versus Braylon James this season? If I remember correctly, Ryan, they they competed against each other in like 
camps and seven on sevens. I don't think their high schools played against each other. They, they did play this year. Did they, they did play this okay. year. Yeah. How round, 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 I know Round Rock beat Stony Point. I don't remember exactly. I think it was like 32 16 or something. So Leonard Moore's team did beat Stony Point. I do not remember, though, what the stat line for Braylon was in that game. I can I could try to find it real quick, though. Yeah. And, and their passing attack at, at his high school was not was not very good. It wasn't very good. We had a super chat also from uh, Raymond Horton. Awesome. Thank you with your super chat. So I, I do appreciate that. I do appreciate that very much. Um, so, uh, Ryan, I'm actually going to also I'm going to do is I'm going to go to Braylon James's huddle film and see if he has any huddle film or any, any huddle highlights against Round Rock. So he does have some huddle film against Round Rock. So I'm actually going to pop that up. And you guys can kind of just kind of hear me talk through that here a little bit. But, yeah, they, they did play against each other. I'm, I'm very curious to see if Braylon caught any balls on him. So, oh man, these ads I, on Huddle are getting longer it. and longer and longer and all longer. What's the I, stats, Ryan? He had five catches for 170 yards and a touchdown against. Ooh. All right, so, let's see if any yeah. of those catches were against <laughs> good. more. Yeah. yeah, but oh, I swear these ads are driving me nuts. Like they don't even let me click out of like, dude. I don't smoke. I don't need to keep watching these ads on why I shouldn't smoke. I've never smoked a day in my life. Let me cancel out of this nonsense. I don't want to watch this stuff anymore. It's ridiculous. Man, he averaged 34 yards a catch that game against. Nice good player. It's good player. <laughs> yes, he doesn't suck. Good player. No. He doesn't suck. So it looks like he's going to beat Leonard here real quick. Uh-oh. Yeah, beat him on a beat him on a post. Braylon just out. Actually, you know what? He he kind of recovered late, but Braylon made a great play on the ball. Hmm. So yeah, now this one's in the slot. So he's not against Leonard Moore. Nice job putting him in the slot. He just beat a he's beat he beat their slot guy on just a. I mean, he's like five yards past that guy. <laughs> just smoke that dude. Absolutely smoke that dude. It wasn't Leonard Moore. That Braylon James is so good. I can't believe some people don't have him in the top 100. It's just pure insanity. They lined him up in a mesh, ran him on a little crossing route away from Leonard Moore, broke a tackle, and then just out, just ran up the sideline for like 40-yard gain. Oh, 50-yard gain. Oh, 60-yard gain. So they, they did a good job of, of getting him away. He did beat him once, and that was the only time that they were ever close to him. The other ones, there was nobody close to him. The only time it was close to him was when Leonard Moore was that, on. That's, that's called good coaching. Yeah. Do not put him against the best cover man on the team. Yes, <laughs> yes. yes. got him once. Don't try it again. Uh, so, yeah, but, I mean, that just says a lot about how good he is. Um, yeah. Yeah, he, he's a good player. Braylon James is so good. The fact some people don't have him in the top 100 is just, like, I just chuckle. I just they, chuckle. At they, that one. they don't like six three wide receivers with with length and four four speed and, and so. great speed. Yeah, I guess yeah. not. <laughs> I, I understand. I get it. Yeah. Oh my goodness gracious! But well, hey, Malachi the, Coleman, man, but Malachi yeah. Coleman. So yeah, yeah. well, because he's uncommitted, you could get some yeah. clicks out of that one. All sure. right, and he actually did. I, I didn't love Malachi Coleman's film, but he did impress me with his burst at the Polynesian Bowl. He he had yeah. a couple of nice, really explosive, like just exploding off the ball, just really chewing up ground. So he yep. made some nice plays, but he's a very raw athlete. But yeah. it was never that I didn't like him. It's like, how are you going to have him ranked there and Braylon James ranked all the way down here? A That's billion percent. A billion percent. Yeah. So just, again, no consistency whatsoever. So that's going to do it for today's show, Ryan. Everybody, thank you all for joining us. We are going to have the RTCF show tonight, but it's going to be at 8 o'clock. Sean and I will have that at 8 o'clock tonight. Sean's going to get to watch some basketball today. I've got to get caught up on a million other things that are going on, but we are going to have the RTF show, including sleep. 
Uh, we're going to get caught. We're going to have that tonight. John and I are going to have some very interesting topics about that tonight. We'll probably we'll do a mailbag at the end, so we'll obviously be able to, to answer your questions and things like that. So for Ryan, I'm Brian. Thank you all so much for being with us. Big pickup for Notre Dame getting Leonard Moore. Class is now up to eight. I believe they have the second-ranked class across the board. I believe. I could be wrong on that. I know they're number two in rivals. I think they're number two in 247 behind Georgia. So Notre Dame, once again, off to a very strong start and doing so at the skill positions. So that's a that's a that's a very good thing. Very good thing. So anyway, y'all have a great rest of your day. Hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast. Please give us a five-star review. Sign up for the message boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Check out all, all of our free content at irishbreakdown.com, including signing up for the newsletter or the newsletter. Ryan is completely checked out. He's staring at his phone. So he's not listening to me with this great sound off. <laughs> so uh, that's gonna do it for today, everybody. Thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you again very, very soon. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.